If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 at the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He's Paul Dottino. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes. It is presented by Cadillac, the official luxury vehicle of the New York football Giants. And there are multiple ways you can interact with us here on the program. You give us a ring, 201-939-4513. You can also hit us up on Twitter, hashtag Giants Chat, and directly to us. I'm at Lance Meadow, one word, last name, M-E-D-O-W. He is at Giants W-F-A-N. And as a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So today we'll continue the conversation we started yesterday. We'll go over the rest of the NFC East, some of the needs that they have laid out on NFL.com as they went through the draft order for all 32 teams. And then another facet of the conversation that we briefly delved into yesterday was if a team wanted to move up, and swap spots with the Giants at the sixth overall pick, how likely is it that they'd move up to draft a non-quarterback? Because we were talking about, Paul, in all likelihood, there could Mm -hmm. be three quarterbacks already off the board before we even get to the sixth overall pick. And I brought up Will Anderson Jr. The previous year, the Texans, they drafted C.J. Stroud number two overall. Then they swapped spots with Arizona to then grab Will Anderson Jr. pass rusher with the very next pick. And I know you did some homework, as did I. The next one, just in terms of recent history, the Eagles and the Dolphins in 2021 swapped spots in order for Miami to grab Jalen Waddle, wide receiver. And that year, remember, Miami actually moved down to allow the Niners to move up Mm -hmm. to grab Trey Lance. So the reason why maybe that's a bit of an exception is they already acquired enough draft capital, Paul, that if they wanted to move up, whether they wanted to get a quarterback or not, it wasn't as big of a killer because they already made a very attractive move with the Niners to stockpile some picks because obviously San Francisco went up to make the move to get Trey Lance, only to then, a year later, get Brock Purdy with the final pick in that 2022 draft. Well, the other one that was last year was also the Cardinals moved up to number 6 to get Paris Johnson, the offensive tackle. So there were actually two that moved into the top six After last year. After they moved, obviously, with the Texans. Correct. Yeah. And so the ironic part about that is neither one was for a quarterback. And we're, we're under this assumption. We always talk about this. 
and it just seems to be the general narrative that anybody who's going to move up into that spot of real estate is only going to do it to give up a king's ransom for a quarterback. Well, the research says that's not true, folks. I didn't even have to go back to 2000, as I said on yesterday's program, that I would. I only went back to 2010, and I found nine different trades, okay? Nine since 2010 where teams moved up to get six or higher to get a non-quarterback. And very quickly... I'll just tell you, you have Anderson, you have Johnson, we mentioned. You mentioned Jalen Waddell. The Bills traded up to number four to get Sammy Watkins, wide receiver in 2014. In 2013, the Dolphins moved up to number three to get defensive lineman Deion Jordan, who wound up with six NFL seasons and only 13 and a half career sacks. So don't be so sure you're going to get what you paid for, right? As we've laid out, yeah. Uh, In 2012, there were three teams that traded up into the top six. The Browns went up to three to get running back Trent Richardson. The Jags went up to number five to get wide receiver Justin Blackman. And the Cowboys went up to number six to get cornerback Morris Claiborne. I think it's fair to say Claiborne was the best out of those three, but the other yeah. two guys certainly did not live up to their billing. Well, Blackman had off-the-field issues and got suspended, so he was barely on the field as a result of that. And in 2011, uh, Julio Jones, I had a guy mention that to me on Twitter, Julio Jones uh, was the number six pick when the Falcons traded up uh, to grab the wide receiver. So there you have it. Nine different trades went up into the top six to try to acquire uh, somebody in the NFL draft. Uh, And they were not, and these are non-quarterbacks. There were a bunch of others that involved quarterbacks. I wasn't looking for that because the narrative says it's always going to be a quarterback. The point is, it's not always going to be a quarterback. I think the interesting also part of the exercise is to see the teams that moved down, who they wound up with, given who they passed up on, perhaps taking a little bit higher in the draft. Because remember, that's part of the conversation that we talked about. If you're the Giants, you have a number of players you're interested in, number six, and you move too far down, and in all likelihood they're all going to be off the board, then you don't do that. It's interesting. I was talking with Bill Polian on Sirius XM NFL Radio the other night. Love Bill Polian. And he was talking about some conversations they had in the draft room with Tony Dungy, who was the head coach, obviously, as Bill Polian was the general manager. And they'd all go around the room when they contemplated moving down in the draft. And one of the years that they contemplated actually moving down was the year that they drafted Dwight Freeney. That's how we got in this conversation. Freeney just got selected for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Yes, he did. And Bill Polian selected him. So that year, they were debating, should we move down? And Dungy, unlike anybody else in the room, he said, was always willing to roll the dice. To move down. always say, because Bill would say to him, Tony, if we move down, we may very well give up the chance to draft player A, B, C, and D. He's like, don't worry about it. Roll the dice. Do it. But he was the only one in the room. And the reason why I bring this up is because there was more conviction in the rest of the front office to say, we cannot pass up 
on a player like Dwight Freeney. Right. And that happened several times. So I bring that up as an anecdote in relation to what we're talking about with respect to the Giants. If they love a guy at six, I don't even consider. Unless somebody right. blows you away. We, we've with talked about this before. Three or four first rounders, which is unlikely to happen. You must have complete and total conviction and be all in on a guy in order not to take the phone call. Under otherwise you have to take the phone call. Well, I would take the phone call regardless, Paul. There's nothing wrong with hearing a team out. You should at least hear what they're offering, but then the next step is whether or not you pull the trigger. And I'm saying you don't pull the trigger if you are at the point where the fifth overall pick has been announced and there's two guys at least who you love. There's at least two guys. Well, that's you a love. different story. You now we're going into effect. other scenarios. All right. So now I just talked to uh, to Maz, our producer, and and of course uh, uh, Lance right before the program started, and I gave them this pop quiz: the number six pick overall in the NFL draft. There have been twenty four of them since the two thousand season, right? Because we're going into twenty twenty four. That makes it the twenty fifth uh, pick of the of the century. So of the twenty four drafts, uh, the question was: which position has been picked the most? at the number six overall slot. And I think, Maz, you did say offensive tackle, so you got one of the two spots. You, I don't I remember what... You didn't even make a guess. You, didn't honest, a guess. you, we were, were, you were lost. So quick, no, we were just so quick in terms of responding to what Dom had to say. Well, he was Dom right was about offensive tackle because there's a tie. The most often drafted position at number six in the draft since 2000, offensive tackle with six, defensive line with six and believe it or not not another position on the board has been taken more than twice since the 2000 draft at spot number six um says a lot says a lot you know People, people think that, oh, my God, you have to get a certain position and others you have to ignore. Well, yes, offensive line clearly is a premium. We know how hard they are to get. We know how few of them over the last decade or 20 years even have been able to come out of school pro-ready, and you'd want to use a very high draft pick to grab one of those. So I get the offensive tackle and six defensive linemen. That includes defensive tackles and defensive ends. It's the trenches, Right. The trenches. Yeah. Offensive line, defensive line. Trenches, trenches, trenches. Football 101. 12. 12 of the last 24 number six overall selections went to the trenches. Just saying. Well, and also when you think about building and constructing a roster, those two positions are very high value. So I don't think that's surprising, right? I mean, when you talk about the key positions, quarterback, left tackle, edge rusher, cornerback. Well, the, the I mean, those are the key moves that teams normally look to make because when you assign the value with respect to the salary cap, you're willing to pay X amount of dollars for those specific positions as opposed to running back and tight end and safety or whatever other the, the core four for decades, the quarterback, yeah. the offensive tackle, the pass rusher, and the cover cornerback. Those have been the core four for decades. Sure. That goes back even before when I started covering the NFL. Um, they just didn't publicize it an awful lot. They do now. Um, but those of us who have been around a long time have known about this forever. Uh, the interesting part, if you just want to give, I'll give you the other scores for the other positions. Quarterback two, 
wide receiver two, safety two, cornerback two, and you would think there might be a few more of those, but there are only two. Two tight ends. How about that? One guard and one linebacker. And I'm not surprised about the last two. Specifically, the linebacker position. Unless and did I mention safety? You did mention I did. safety. Safety, yes, too. you brought up yeah. safety. Yeah. Now, the last time the Giants had the sixth overall pick, they used that on a quarterback in Daniel Jones, of course. And do you know the last time prior to Daniel Jones, the Giants had the number six overall pick in the draft? I do. And you were around covering the team in 1944. Billy Hillebrand. From Indiana, running back. Go. So what was he like on the field? Any good interviews? You know... When I looked at the black and white film yeah. on the projector, uh-huh. picked uh, up some interesting I was kind of lukewarm on the pick, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. All these years later, you still haven't recovered mentally and physically no. from that pick? No. Do you know that it was a trend, actually, having the sixth overall pick? They had it in 41, 43, and yes. 44. Yes, I have the names right okay. in front of me. Just make it sure. I'm not questioning. So, so they've not, had but... they've had the number six overall pick four times in their franchise's history. But a lengthy drought after. The yeah, between '44 and yeah. uh, Daniel 19. Jones ended that. Yeah. Right, exactly. So anyway, those were some of the fun things that that I decided to look up and Lance decided to look up after yesterday's show as we were just tossing around number six overall pick. Let's find some some funky details and little trivia factoids about uh, that selection. Well, and the main takeaway is the fact that it's not crazy that when the Giants get on the board, assuming they don't move up at six, that somebody could be interested in swapping positions with them. And it may have nothing to do with a quarterback, especially if three, let's say, are off the board. But remember, the onus is still on the Giants. And that's the center of this conversation. Sure it is. Because we talked about on this show, we got into it yesterday, right? We were talking about all the off-season positional needs. And there were a lot of positions we listed, Paul. Mm -hmm. So if you have a chance to select somebody that has the ability to be a game changer, okay? I don't want to say franchise changer. He's a game changer, meaning for the length of the rookie contract, he can consistently make an impact and change the trajectory of the offense or the defense. It's hard for me to pass up on that just for the chance. And I know we received a lot of calls on yesterday's program to get volume of picks because you don't know whether or not those volume of picks is going to pan out. Whereas based on, if we went through the history of the NFL draft, it's fair to say, Paul, the higher you pick, the more likely the player is going to pan out. There's always busts. Okay. Mm -hmm. But if you're picking near the top of the draft, in all likelihood, the chances of you landing somebody that fits the profile of game changer higher than if you move down and you got, I don't know, pick 18, and then a high second-round pick. I'd still like my chances of using the sixth overall pick to find the game-changer as opposed to a combination of 18, a second-round pick, and I don't know, you want to throw in a first-rounder for the future? Yeah, maybe that first-rounder pans out. But I'm more focused on what do you get out of 18 and the high second-rounder versus mm-hmm. six. And the Giants, as we've talked about, are they really in a position where you know they can afford to say, well, we'll gain more volume of picks those picks may not pan out or they may not reap the rewards from those players until a year or two down the road. I think you're coming into 2024, Paul, and you're saying you want to get players out on the field that could do damage immediately. Not that you have to add a little bit more seasoning and wait to see them blossom. So the philosophy of the team, where they're 
at in terms of their roster construction, I also think influences whether or not a team wants to quickly move out of that sixth overall spot. Very fair. I mean, there are so many different circumstances that you have to take into account. And quite frankly, the Giants also have to take into account Daniel Jones's injury, which most people don't even think about when yep. they're trying to make that pick. But if if you have any thoughts about Daniel Jones not being able to hold up, you know, it's going to change your inclination to uh, perhaps reconsider a quarterback if if you really don't think, you know, his rehab is going well and you don't think that his durability is, is going to last. I mean, it's got to be part of the consideration. That's why, look, I'm not playing double jeopardy here. I praise Eli Manning for being an Iron Man. I say all the time he deserves an extra feather in his cap when talking about the Hall of Fame. So by that very nature, I have to say Daniel Jones has had a number of injuries. His durability has to be somewhat in question. How much? That's for the Giants to decide. But but I understand it's a real thing. Well, and also when you look back at the 2004 NFL draft, it's really unheard of that we're going to see a cluster of those style of QB selected anymore, right? Because more often than not, the signal caller position has evolved towards everybody has, for the most part, some mobility and some ability to run and extend plays. Phillip Rivers and Eli Manning were not threats to run with the football. It not happened at all. here or there, okay? <laughs> when Eli Wright ran in for the touchdown in London against the Dolphins. I mean, that was the highlight of his career. Outside of that, you were not worried when you played either one of those quarterbacks. Now, Ben was a little bit more mobile, so I'm not throwing him into the mix, but Ben was not as mobile as Lamar Jackson and some of these other guys, even Mahomes, who could take off and leave you in the dust. I use the term escapability for guys like Mahomes. He has escapability. He yeah. is not a running quarterback. But I don't think he gets enough credit. I mean, Mahomes can run better than most of them. We he saw can. that in the Super Bowl. He can, but yeah. if you look at the number of rushes he has by he doesn't the end look of the to season. Do that immediately. No, no. Yeah. I've always said my comfort zone is no more than four rushes per game for a quarterback. All right, that's my comfort zone. That doesn't mean it's yours or Maz's or John's or Jonathan Casillas's. Everybody can have their number. But for me, I kind of think if my quarterback has any more than four rushes a game on average, it's that's that goes into the next style of quarterback for me. And and certainly, you know, for instance, Bobby Douglas from the Chicago Bears back in the 70s was the first quarterback to run for a thousand yards in a season. Now, that was a terrible football team. They didn't have a whole lot. Well, that's why he had to run. And and he, But he wasn't like... See, Fred Tarkenton was the scrambler. I get people, young people all the time say to me, but Paul, you tell me you really don't like you know running quarterbacks. We heard that Fred Tarkenton ran around a lot. Here's the difference. Tarkenton scrambled behind the line of scrimmage more than he did forward. He was running around like a madman in the backfield, trying to avoid getting creamed. And his first priority was to run, 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 just to buy some time to get rid of the ball. He ran to throw. Other quarterbacks, your running quarterbacks, run to run. Or it's built into the game plan. Or it's built into the game plan. Okay? That's the difference. 
I think if you would ask the Buffalo Bills, and I know the Bills front office people and some of their some of their staff members, they've even said to me, we wish he, that Josh Allen didn't have to run quite as much as he does. Because Josh Allen does run a lot. Oh, it's absolutely. in the game plan, and he does take off forward, downhill. Okay? He does a lot. I'm not, I love the guy coming out of school. He was my favorite quarterback in that class. We've talked about that a million times. What I did not expect was that he was going to be as much of a runner when he got to the NFL. The Bills, out of necessity, have used him in that way, and they really prefer that he would cut some of that down. But they haven't been able to find a way to do that. The difference with with him is that he's built like a tight end. Well, he also holds up. Yeah, I mean, you could see Allen, other than the elbow injury that he dealt with correct a year ago, I mean, has been pretty clean. Incredibly durable for the amount of hits that he takes. Now, that doesn't mean he's not playing with fire, because he is. He's taking risks that if I were a Bills person, and I know some of them feel this way, uh, be better off if you didn't have to run so much. But again, he's built differently than most of these quarterbacks are. You know, uh, that doesn't excuse it, but that's that's that what that's that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about the difference between escapability and then guys who are runners. Big difference. Well, but the point is, quarterbacks. I mean, Robert are Griffin, RG three, the third was a runner. Sure. Yeah. Well, and unfortunately that and look what happened to him. Yeah, well, he was hit in the wrong spot on the knee, and the rest is history. But the point is, quarterbacks are exposing themselves to more hits in this day and age because either they take off or they scramble. Now, that doesn't mean that all the injuries we're seeing are a result of quarterbacks doing that. Because, for example, Joe Burrow, when he tore up his knee, he was hit in the pocket. So that wasn't an example of him running. Justin Herbert suffered the finger injury this year. He was in the pocket. So you can't generalize and say there's more quarterback injuries because they're taking off. I would argue I think they're risking more hits in games as a result of that. But there are still quarterbacks that are getting hit because of rough offensive line play or maybe they hold on to the ball too long in the pocket. You're not immune to those hits just because you may be more of a pocket passer. But the position has absolutely evolved from that standpoint. And going back to how we got here, you brought up the Giants thinking. It's not so much the rehab, but it is a lot to me. Can he hold up because of his injury history? And whether or not you can bank on the fact that, okay, this is going to be the year he'll play all 17 games. I don't think you can operate with that mindset, Paul, just because it's been a trend. We're at the point where there's trends to operate with. Mm -hmm. This is not just one season of data. This is multiple seasons. So from that standpoint... You have to prepare yourself. Just like you would say the same thing for the Giants, they can't go into this season banking on Evan Neal will hold up for all 17 games, right? Because you've now had two years of operation where that hasn't been the case. So when you have multiple years where your quarterback and your right tackle have not been... I'm not even talking about performance, Paul. It's got nothing to do with performance. It has simply to do with the ability to stay on the field. Both players fall under the umbrella of struggling to stay on the field. Mm -hmm. When you have multiple years like that, you have to then start to think this could be the same story all over again. You're not wishing for it, but you have to at least operate that way. And therefore, you have to address the position, in my mind. And it's not necessarily the draft, but between free agency and the draft, you have to protect yourself... On the depth chart at quarterback, you have to protect yourself on the depth chart at right tackle. And I'd go so far that 
you have to protect yourself to the degree of whoever you slide in, Paul, you have confidence that we're not just talking about they can be a bridge to hold you upright for one or two games. I'm talking about you have confidence that they can operate at a starting level for, I would say, at least half the season. You have to have that mindset, at least in my personal opinion. Well, that's why when the Giants go into this offseason, as they've already started to do their deep dive, they need to figure out, are they looking for a competitor at the right tackle spot? Or are they looking for a swing tackle? Somebody who's going to back up these two guys and then where the, let the chips fall where they may as time goes on if they wind up moving guys around, fine. But are they looking for somebody who needs to be able to potentially compete and win the starting right tackle job in week one? Are they doing that, yes or no? They need to figure that out before they decide if they're going to use the number six pick on a guy like Alt. Though you can, can't you say, Paul, though, based on your philosophy, you could kill two birds with one stone there. You could have the guy compete, and if he doesn't win the job, he serves as a swing tackle, no? No question. But if you're thinking of, well, Neil's going to be healthy enough, we think that uh, um, Brasillo, Coach Brasillo, is going to coach him up, and he's going to be the starter, well, then you know what? then maybe I'm not taking a tackle until the third round because the third round tackle could potentially be the swing tackle. And third round is still a good enough round where there's still so many supposed playable tackles in this draft, that guy could still eventually wind up being a starter too. In other words, you don't need to draft a blue chip tackle if you really believe in Evan Neal. No, you don't, but I still think you need to protect yourself, though. You can do that. You can do do that on the second day. Well, you still, though, in my mind, you still have to feel good that the substance and quality of those other tackles that you're talking about, Paul, meet close to what we're discussing, where if, God forbid, Evan Neal goes down again and has to miss a quarter, five, six games, that it's not an experimentation. Well, this is why you have to also look at the other guys in the room and say to yourself, okay, are there any other tackles in this room that can also be part of that backup equation if it becomes a six-week injury? Let's say Neil's going to miss half the season. All right, is can we draft a third-round tackle that can play for half the season? Or, or do you have a tackle in the room already? Again, Matthew Pert has been injured, and, and, he's, a free and he's a free agent. Yeah. But do you have a tackle in the room that could play functional football. I'm not talking about dominant. I'm no, talking I'm about for that either. functional football for half a season. And and th- this is what you have to decide before you figure out how much you want to spend, per se, on that tackle. It's the same thing about the quarterback. In all reality, the Giants need to figure out what they want to do with the quarterback spot. What's the likelihood that Jones is going to be the guy week one? If he's not going to be the guy week one, how long do we think it's going to take for him to get ready? And so what do we do realistically to plug somebody else in for the first week, the first month, whatever it is? And how comfortable do we feel? This is this is why, you know, you look at a guy like Tyrod Taylor and you look at a guy like Tommy DeVito and you have to say to yourself, okay, if they need to play a whole month, 
to start the 2024 season, you have to say to yourself that I'm okay with one of those guys. If you're not, then you you got to go get another quarterback, whether it's a free agent like Mitch Trubisky or somebody else or drafting somebody. But again, you can draft like a third-round quarterback if you believe that, that Jones is still your guy and that you just want to develop somebody because you're not asking him to step in right away as a rookie and be the guy no, I, like, like everybody expects a first-round quarterback to play right away. Sure. Well, I mean, look at Patrick Mahomes. He sat for a year. Worked out pretty good for the Kansas City well, you Chiefs. And so, I, you yeah. and I actually agree on this. Yeah, he, I don't think you should not have to play a rookie quarterback right no. away. Well, I mean, Most people believe that, Well, what especially did, if he's a first-rounder. Bryce Young got experience this year. He played 16 games, and that's great. But Bryce Young took a beating. So did it really help him in the long run that they drafted a quarterback and they put him behind the suspect offensive line? And they also fired his head coach halfway through the season, and now he's got to learn a whole new offense. Overall, if he sat, and I'm not saying the Panthers had the flexibility to do that, but if they decided to go in that direction, I don't think it would have been a killer for Bryce Young. But I do want to respond to your point. But see, the Daniel Jones conversation is very much like Evan Neal, Paul, where even if the rehab is going according to plan, and I'm not saying that you want to replace him, I still need a really reliable backup because... Even if Daniel starts the season, mm-hmm. how many games does he play? You don't know. Okay, so that doesn't really change my direction, whether or not I want to use the sixth overall pick or, to your point, you want to draft somebody in the second or third round. The level of urgency, if you don't bring back Tyrod Taylor, the level of urgency is even more. Unless you, you believe in Tommy another... DeVito. Unless you believe in him. Sure. If you I mean, do, then you're not so worried. Well, I do think that they like having Tommy DeVito on the roster. They like having him here to compete. Are they at the point where if Daniel had to miss half or the bulk of the season that they just want to give him the starting job, Paul, and they don't want anybody else as another option? I don't know about that. I'm not so sure. I, I mean, he got good experience this year, but I remember, don't know either. Dable did eventually go back to Taylor. Yeah, once I don't. Taylor was I don't healthy. know. So you have to at least weigh that. Uh, Brian Dable, who spent literally uh, weekly one-on-one student to uh, teacher sessions with Tommy DeVito throughout DeVito's rookie season probably knows more about that kid than anybody else, including the scouts. I mean, he tutored this kid to get him prepared that in case of breaking glass, you got to be ready. And you know what? He did win three games in a row. And did have a comeback victory on a game-winning drive against the Green Bay Packers. So Tommy DeVito has accomplished something. And And he knows the offense. And Yeah. And so is there more upside for Tommy DeVito here? Uh, I would think there probably is. How much, I don't know. I don't know where that ceiling is. And, and if it's not for the Giants, it may wind up being for somebody else because I suspect you'll never get him through waivers. I think he'll be claimed if you try to, if you try to waive him uh, at, at the last cutdown day. Well, the only cutdown day now. You know, they only do one now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think he'll be claimed. I really do. I, I, I think so. I think he showed enough to do that. But where is his ceiling? I don't know. Well, that also brings up another part of this conversation because if you're not going to keep three quarterbacks, right, which is rare. Correct. And Tommy's already under contract. 
So we don't need to discuss his status. They don't have to do anything. You have Daniel under contract. You bring a third one in, whether it's bringing back Tyrod Taylor or another veteran free Correct. agent or you draft somebody. And oh, by the way, I guess it depends on where you draft the quarterback. If you draft the quarterback in the first three rounds, he's making the roster. He's on a okay? 53. No, but if you draft a quarterback in the sixth or the seventh round, right. maybe you put him on the practice squad. I don't think he's a guarantee. So the point is then, if Daniel's healthy, it's Daniel and the draft pick. And if you want Tommy, you got to keep him on the 53 potentially right. to start. And then you run the risk of putting him on the practice squad and maybe him getting Clint. Correct. Correct. And so that changes what, things too. It, it, well, it adds another level to the puzzle is yeah. what it does. Well, and that's why I don't <clears> know where, and we, we're operating in the little land of the unknown, where they feel right now about Tommy DeVito. There's no way to know that. So they, and, and the shame of it is they may not know that until after the draft. I mean, as much as Brian Dable probably has a gut feeling right now, I'm sure he'd love to have him through the spring, through spring drills, and see how has he progressed. Excuse me, but I'm there's sorry. only so much that you're going to take away from spring drills. I know, too, Paul, I fairness. know, yeah, I know, because the pants are not on and so forth. If if they really want, and this is strictly just a, a a possibility, I have no idea what what Brian wants to do. But if, for example, he he would like to have Tommy DeVito as the number two, then it seems to me you can't use a high draft pick on number three. Because if DeVito's going to be on the 53, the third quarterback is going to have to get waived to the practice squad. You'll never get a high draft pick through. That's not going to happen. So it seems to me what you might wind up having to do, and who knows what veterans are going to be set free over the summer, if you wanted to, and I'm not saying that I would do this, folks, so don't hit me up on Twitter, but if you wanted to go with Jones with DeVito as the backup as the number two and then sign a veteran free agent who's loose over the summer. We have no idea who those goes those guys might be, but there may be a grizzled experienced veteran who was loose over the summer who might wind up being willing to sign a practice squad. So deal. you're talking about like a Matt Barkley, basically somebody like that. That's who you're there saying. There you go. You know, a Blake Bortles type, one of those kinds of guys who you sign as the third guy, you stash him on the practice squad, you don't think there's much likelihood he's going to be grabbed. And if your starter under this scenario, Jones, were to have to miss a little bit of time, maybe, maybe, depends on how you feel, you call up that guy from the practice squad and have him start if you're not quite comfortable with where DeVito is at that moment. Or it could be one of those things where, oh, it's only going to be a game or two. Well, we'll let the one guy start. Oh, it's going to be two months. Well, we're going to grab the other guy. We're going to grab the veteran instead. You could leave yourself those options. I'm not saying I would do that, and I'm not saying the Giants would do that. But that is clearly one of the possibilities that could be on the board. That's all. I think, though, if you look at what they experienced this past season, where they had to start three different quarterbacks, I think they want somebody with a little bit more security and polish and experience as the backup to Daniel Jones. And that's why Tyrod Taylor was the perfect option because he had a wealth of starting experience. That's just my personal opinion. I think they lean more towards if Tyrod doesn't return to try to go out and get somebody in his ballpark, or if they don't do that, 
than using relatively high draft capital. And I'll go with rounds one through three on a quarterback that first two days has a little bit more accomplishment in college. I, that's that's I, what I think the two options. Are. I suspect as much, but I just don't want people to be caught totally off guard. You know, if there are five doors that they can choose from, I think it's important that we lay it out for you that there are doors four and five when most people might only want to discuss one, two, or three. Well, there are doors four and five, so don't be shocked if at some point in time those doors become knocked on. Well, I, I don't know that they will, but they're there. And the first domino could very well fall in free agency. No question. If they go out and they get, hypothetically, I'll use the name because Trubisky was just released. They go out and sign Mitchell Trubisky, then you figure, okay, they did their homework. They feel really good about him. Trubisky being was in the Buffalo. Backup. He was there. Yeah, he was the number two when Brian Dable was in Buffalo. I mean, I it didn't take me but half a second after the word came out that he was being released. In fact, I I, I believe at some point in time I actually had said earlier before he was released that uh, I think he's on his way out of Pittsburgh. And, you know, that would be certainly a name that I would want to keep an eye on, you know, sitting in this chair, understanding what the Giants' situation is. Also a quarterback that you can run things similar to Daniel Jones. Yes. Because of his athleticism. And he certainly knows the system. Something else to keep in mind. All right. Few reminders before we open up the phone lines here. Giants Huddle Podcast. You can subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. You can head to Giants.com slash podcast. Giants fans, you can take your fandom to the next level with a season ticket membership. Stay connected to the club all year round, not just on game days. Memberships are now available for the 2024 season. To learn more about all the exclusive member benefits, visit Giants.com slash tickets. Limited inventory is available. And the Giants official connected TV streaming app, Giants TV. It brings you original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to big blue fans. Giants TV, it's free. It's on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, as well as the Giants mobile app. All right, let's open up the phone lines as we move forward here on Big Blue Kickoff Live, and we check in with Hugo in New Jersey. What's happening, Hugo? What do you got for us? Afternoon, guys. Hey, good afternoon, guys. Um, you know, I want to talk a little bit about free agency, and I wanted to start with sort of giant internal free agents and then uh, external free agency. Uh, I would suggest that for anyone uh, wringing their hands about uh, potentially losing Xavier McKinney, I would not sleep on Nick McLeod. And the reason I say that is because last summer they started to train him uh, as a safety. And here's what we know about Nick McLeod. He's got coverage skills, obviously, because he's played corner. And we know he's a physical player based on his work on special teams. And it also seems that he's a Jerome Henderson favorite and uh, it seems like Jerome tries to get him on the field uh, as much as he can and it's almost like the Jason Pinnock model from last year a guy who used to be a corner who was a good special teams player who replaced a free agent safety so I'll just leave that out there as a thought well Dane Belton's also a special teamer right you could say all three safety candidates come from that mold, but I would think that Belton would probably be in line to replace McKinney before necessarily McLeod jumps in there, unless he has an outstanding training camp 
and proves that, hey, he deserves more playing time because I think right now yeah. McLeod is sort of the interchangeable part mm-hmm. on defense because he could yeah. do a variety of different things and fit in to a variety of different spots. I'm a bigger fan of Nick McLeod than most. I think he turned, yep. you know, he was a terrific special teams player for the Giants. I love his gunning skills. And quite honestly, in the two years that he's been here, when he's had snaps at, at defensive back, at corner particularly, not, not so much at safety, although you're right, he did, they did use him a little bit in the offseason and preseason that way. Um, I think he has held up. I really believe that. I, I think, I and, and he came out of Notre Dame. All right, let's not forget this, folks. He, came, he played at Notre Dame, and he was a quality player in college. And he now, was in Buffalo, too. Did not have a great time when he came out of school, and that's probably what kind of dropped him and, and had him fall off the map. I think the kid's a player. But having said that, from the safety spot, I know they feel strongly about Belton, and I know they feel really good about redshirt rookie Javarius Owens, who was drafted on the third day last year and did not really have a chance to get on the field this past season. And I know they really like his potential. His skill set is really good. So do I think that McLeod needs to be on this 53? Absolutely, I believe he does. He's a restricted free agent, I believe. Uh, So I'm sure that will work out and he will be here. But do I think he's going to win uh, a spot as one of the safeties? I think he'd be an emergency safety. I don't think that's going to happen, Hugo. I think Owens is a guy they are very intrigued about, and and he and Belton are going to get the first shot at taking those snaps. And the other thing to keep in mind is the safety position did not break open the piggy bank over the last few years. Outside of Jesse Bates, who went to Atlanta from Cincinnati, if you look at the numbers from last season, and Julian Love can attest to this, who knows what McKinney's market is going to be like? We just we don't know. I think Bates is the only one that probably looks back at last season and says, yeah, I like the money I got. Outside of him, you know, everybody else had to take short-term deals, and the average annual salary was not very high. That's more of a reason why I think some players at safety would welcome the franchise tag because they may end up making more money one year on the tag than if they signed a two- to three-year deal. So that also is going to influence how things play out with McKinney. I think the big problem is when you look at safeties making over an average of $10 million a year, there's a slew of them. And, but uh, not last season they didn't get that. No, no, yeah. no, no. They didn't get it last season, but, yeah. but they are getting it. And so if you're in McKinney's camp, you're probably saying, you know what, we, we had a dynamite second half of last season, and he's already – made it clear that he is looking to uh, grow some lettuce in his backyard, so to speak. He's looking for some nice green, and I'm sure he's not thinking that he is out of the top 10 safeties in the NFL. Yeah. I'm sure he's not. Oh, I'm sure. Well, why wouldn't you if you and, his, and the agent speak? You I know, mean, of course you're going to so, sell So he's, he's going to want those kinds of numbers. But whether he gets it, though, is my Well, point. I don't know what That's he's going to get. That's the other side. I, you know, I don't know what he's going to get, but I know what he's going to look for. And it's going to be a lot higher than I think uh, most people are going to be willing to spend. Uh, well, guys, I guess as we talked it through, uh, if the economics get too high for McKinney, I, I think our conclusion here is that the Giants have multiple in-house options and don't have to go break the bank for McKinney. Well, but they still may uh, so want to add a more experienced safety, though. I think there may be room to bring in somebody that has a little bit more starting experience at safety. And there could be somebody that has ties to Shane Bowen's defense, too. That they, they could. could very well go they after. could. You know, don't rule that out. 
Okay. Well, I want to go to external free agency, and I looked at the entire free agent list, and the player that's most interesting to me, it's going to be an expensive player, is Christian Wilkins, the defensive tackle from Miami. Because mm-hmm. I've yeah. been telling John Good player. all offseason, yeah, all offseason, given the state of the roster, we need force multipliers. So there's a guy who's perfect as the three technique. He can penetrate. He can rush the passer. He plays the run well. And, and, you know, there's, I think that'll create a certain synergy with Dexter. And, and by the way, a former classmate and also a 2019 first round pick Clemson. out of Clemson. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, when I think about Dexter, I think, you know, he was very disappointed when, um, when Leonard Williams was let go. So bringing in someone who was a former classmate, I think, will get his juices flowing. And wouldn't, be in, wouldn't it be interesting if Clellan Farrell, who was also a first-round pick, now a low-cost option, was brought in as well. It would almost be like the Giants are Clemson North and the Eagles are uh, Georgia Bulldog North. It would be like uh, an interesting dynamic. Well, you, you know how I feel about Farrell. I, I thought, as did Tony Pauline, who does our draft show, and obviously Mike Mayock of the Raiders felt the same way, I thought he deserved to be a top-five pick in the draft. It has not worked out that way. He, he, he to me, is a 4-3 defensive end who seals the edge and stops the run very well. He has not become a very productive NFL pass rusher. But I do think he is a run-first defensive end player who's got enough qualities that in a a defensive line rotation, he can help you. I I like him. I still like him. And he filled a nice role with the Niners as a complimentary piece. No doubt. That's all they needed him for. So from that standpoint, I think he found a good spot to flourish and. He's become a journeyman, and hey, you could spend a lot of time in the NFL. And I appreciate the phone call, Hugo. We'll let you go on that note. In terms of Christian Wilkins, I mean, something tells me Miami is going to make sure they reserve I'd be him. shocked if he gets out of there. Well, mainly because think about all the injuries the Dolphins suffered. They lost Jalen Phillips. They lost Bradley Chubb. I know it's a new defensive coordinator. Fangio's gone. But if you ask Mike McDaniel and Chris Greer, their general manager— Wilkins is the heart and soul guy, as well as, you know, Zach Sealer is another guy who played alongside Wilkins. I mean, those two guys, you could argue, were maybe the two most valuable players in the trenches for the Dolphins this season. Yeah. Because they were able to stay on the field. And even if he doesn't stay in Miami, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of competition for him. It's a nice story, the whole Clemson thing, but I can tell you this. I don't think there's any front <laughs> office that operates that says, yeah, let's reunite no. one of our top players with his college teammates, that that's our biggest priority. I, I don't think that the Giants are weighing that as to whether or not they go after specific free agents. But I, I do, I do uh, again, to repeat, I'm a, I'm a Cleveland Farrell guy. Um, I would have thought he would have had more pass rush in him when he got to this league, but that was not to be. Uh, And so, obviously, as I talk all the time about players, you know, it's not their problem where they were picked. They can only do what they can do. The environment. It's it's their job to maximize their talent and their abilities wherever they land. And it's not a player's fault. He doesn't get picked 5th, 6th, 7th, or 72nd on his own volition. He gets picked where he's picked. He can only max out whatever ability that he has. And so, you know, when we judge a player, and I'll give, I'll give you a great example of a player, right? Eric Dorsey, who played for the Giants in the Super Bowl Twenty One team in 86, right? He was a first-round pick out of Notre Dame. And a lot of people over the years have said, oh, you know, that he really wasn't worth it, blah, blah, blah. Okay, here's, here's the thing, though. 
the guy was primarily a starter for a Super Bowl winning team and contender for a handful of years. And if he wasn't actually starting games, he was a primary rotation player in that lineup. Was he a good player and part of the reason that you won a championship? Was he one of the guys who made up that salad? Absolutely he was. So I get I get kind of bummed when people like pick on a guy and they say, oh, he was kind of a bust. He really wasn't worth it. But okay, now don't blame him. Don't blame him. He had a terrific career. He did what he was supposed to do. He contributed to a winner. He wasn't a bench player. He contributed to a winner in a main in a major way. So you know now if, again we've had this conversation too. How many first round picks actually make the Pro Bowl every year? How many top ten picks make the Pro Bowl every year? It's a percentage, folks. It's not it's not an automatic. I just went through some of the names of the guys who were who were picked yeah. in the top six. <laughs> Deion Jordan. Do you honestly think the Dolphins are thrilled that they traded up to get Deion Jordan at number three in 2013? I'm sure they're not. Yeah, well, and he's another guy that suffered injuries and off the field issues. Okay. I and mean, even Sammy Watkins didn't necessarily pan out no. to the degree that Buffalo no. hoped. Yeah. Now, is that the player's fault? No. Well, it's unless the, it's, it's a work the, ethic situation. Well, yes. I mean, that could yes, be the player's fault. Yes, you don't have yes. to go individual by That's individual. That's true. Guy yeah. gets suspended because he did something wrong. That's his fault. Or he just doesn't take to coaching and doesn't care, right. doesn't right. study film. It's possible. But in, in most cases, if a guy gets hurt, it's because he got hurt. Or maybe he just wasn't evaluated correctly by the team. And he should have been picked number 28. Or he should have been picked number 37 instead of being picked number 5. Well, that, that's the team's fault for putting him in the wrong slot. It's not the player's fault in most cases. There's tons of examples of environment. And I would say in NFL history, the environment shapes the player more so than the individual skill set. That's a lot of times I think we see across the board. I mean, to me, the best example is, and I'll go quarterback, but Baker Mayfield. You know, Baker had an outstanding season with Tampa Bay. He did. I was never a Baker well, Mayfield so, I mean, guy, Baker but boy, talent. did he play this year. Okay, so Man, they, he was good. There's skill there, right? But if you can't bring out the skill because the offensive line's not good or the coaches ask you to do things, then it doesn't work out. I was listening to some former Panthers players. You know, they felt he was misused in Carolina, and that's why they never got what Tampa Bay got out of him. So those examples do exist as well across the league. Yeah, everything's got to be taken in context yeah. Because the NFL, as we always say, is a spider web. You can't judge stuff in a bubble. Let's head back to the phone lines. We got Len in Maryland with us. What's happening, Len? What do you got for us? Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing right. Len, hello. Hi. Hi, Paul. Um, just real quick, I, I wanted to comment on, on Eric Dorsey. Something that he did very, very well that often gets overlooked when you have a 3-4 defense, mm-hmm. Paul and, and, and Lance. Let the linebackers have free roam. He stopped the run. Sure did. And he and he tied up blockers. Sure and did. You don't want to, you he was a good player, Len. He was a good player. Get, oh my goodness, yes. Especially in that kind of defense. Ball. You know, but but let me in tell you something. Situation. Growing up around these parts and covering those teams, I used to have fans would all the time say to me, "Oh, you know, he wasn't a Pro Bowl player. He wasn't any good. He didn't make the Pro uh-huh. Bowl." Oh. Well, that's. I'm sorry, but that's not the way it works. 
don't know. Okay, football players know and football people know who's good. You know, it's not about how many Pro Bowls you made necessarily. If you can, if you're good and you start and you contribute to a winner, you you know you you were worth something in this league. Oh my goodness, he he did his job. He stopped the run, contributed to the to run stop. And a lot of times he, he platooned he, with George Martin. You'll remember because George yes, was the pass rusher. Yes, yes. Now 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 we don't want to look at his sack totals. No, but that's okay. That's not why he was there. Mm-hmm. And and another guy uh, that I just want to throw out there and and then move on to why I really called here is Curtis McGriff. He did the same thing, Paul. Cur- Cur- Curtis stopper. wasn't a number one draft pick, though, so people no, no, people don't no, 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 people sure. don't throw but, his name out there as a guy who underachieved, so to speak. I'm just no, saying no, but, it's a misnomer to say it about Dorsey. That's not that's not yeah, fair to him. Yeah, no, my only point with McGriff was he was a run stopper. Sure. And that three four def- when you run a three four defense, there's got to be at least one guy there who ties up blockers. John and Washington. He, he made- John Washington was oh, another player. There very valuable to those teams. Oh my goodness, very valuable, very valuable. Hey, a couple of things. D. Hardison. How about D? Throw him oh, out there goodness. too. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Those were the days. Those were the days. Listen. Um. I. I for first thing. Um. Paul, I wanted to compliment you. I really appreciate your starting off yesterday's show with a comment about the tragedy in Kansas City. I think that was the football-related story of the day, and very important to get out front on that story, and I appreciate your mentioning it, Paul. Well, let's um, just hope that those folks can heal as yeah, best as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, hey, congratulations to the Chiefs. I haven't, I haven't talked to you guys since yet. Congratulations to the Chiefs. Wow, two in a row. And, um, hey, listen, they forced to pick somebody today. Somebody said, you got to pick next year's Super Bowl winner. I, you know, you, you'd be a safe, quick pit would be, pick would be Kansas City. They're so. young, especially on defense. Yeah. yeah. Well, and honey, they got Spags back. Yeah. <laughs> Come on yeah, I mean, now. Listen, nobody yeah. in NFL yeah. history has ever accomplished what they're trying to do, but yeah. you at least like yeah. their chances to stay in the thick of things. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, th- third thing about Kansas City, um, no one has mentioned this this week. I think the league, and maybe maybe the timing is not right, especially after what happened in Kansas City earlier in the week. Um, I think the Chiefs and or the league have got to take some action against Travis. Um, For what? The, the, thing, the thing with bumping Reed. Oh, come uh, on, just, Len. I mean, that's the heat of the battle emotion. I mean, how no, much are we going to overanalyze well, it? I, I don't, don't think. You let them, then why don't you let them bump refs? Wait, wait. Do you hold on? Do you think that Travis Kelsey watching that? You think intentionally in his mind he said, "I'm going to go over, bump my no. coach, and get him no. to lose his balance." Okay. No, no, so intent, no, intent think... matters then, right? In, right. Well, intent does. What? What? what but, whether but, but, or not. Paul, Paul, actions do too. Well, it's Lance, but it's okay. I've been called worse. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Gee, okay, partner. No. You know, you no, know what, Lance? Lance, here's where I will disagree with you. Okay. Um, I think it's up to the Chiefs to decide okay. if, if anything needs okay. to be done there. That's right. that's Andy Reid's call, or or for that matter, the GM yeah. or the team yeah. president or even ownership. If yeah. they feel like that was out of line, it's their decision, in my opinion. I won't even give you what my okay. thought is on it. I think it's up okay. to the Chiefs. It's not my okay. business well, to figure Reed it out. Said Listen, he already I'm, spoke to Kelsey. Right. So they had a conversation. So I think it's over. And, and right. really, outside of a conversation, I, I don't really know what else needs to be done from that standpoint. Well, I, I'm... Well, okay. At least have the conversation with him. Well, but he did. But, but he, Paul, Reed I'm said he spoke you. to him. I'm, 
Yeah. Who, who, who had the conversation? Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey spoke. No, 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 no. no. Yeah. That's not good enough, Paul. Well, it's Lance again. But <laughs> what, 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 what do you mean? Wait, wait, wait. Those Lance, are the two. That's not, that's those are the, good enough. But Len, those that's are the. Wait, those are the two participants in what happened, though. They that's, shouldn't talk. They, they can. They can have that conversation, but that's that's not enough. So then, the that's president not, it's, it's and the general big, manager. Was, what 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 happened? Big, it, what happened in the game that was detrimental as a result of that? Explain that to me. Why did Mike Singletary send Vernon Davis to the dressing room? Uh, we're going back five, six. Yeah, no, I remember that with the Niners. Mike was Correct. coaching in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. yeah. listen. They, well, they, because that, that was it, his it choice, It can though. be Kansas City. It can be Kansas City. The stage was too big. Uh, the optics are terrible. They, how, they, how are the optics terrible? It sounds like something that people overanalyze with listen, what went on on the Giants' sideline. But, but I'm asking it was, you... It was, how, spreading all, how, it was spreading all over the internet and, and wait a minute, 90 so Len, seconds after it happened. Len, Len, how did that impact the Chiefs' performance in the game? That's what I want to know. How You said the optics were bad. How did yeah. it impact negatively on the performance of the team? Did they not rally? Did they no. not execute? Did they not win the football game? So then, None. Okay. None, Lance. So, so None. isn't that? But so that to me is what matters. If you want to say it was detrimental, you need to show me how it negatively hurt the production and performance of the team. And clearly, it, just because you read it, shatter it, on social media doesn't mean that's Lance, the reality of the circumstance Lance, on the sideline. That's what Lance, I'm saying. Lance, Lance, it hurt with the general public, not not with the team. So the and, but the general the public league, has no influence the on the game, though. Listen, that's important to the league, Lance. The league has got to deal with that. No, no, Len, 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 hold on, hold on. Len, Len, again, honestly, whatever your opinion was about the bump, you're allowed to have. Everybody can have an opinion about the bump. The fact is there was a bump. That we can agree on. There was a bump. Yes, right. Everybody can have an opinion, and nobody is right or wrong except the Chiefs organization. Whatever they determine to be right or wrong is the action that they take or don't take, and that's the end of the story. Sure. Okay. None of us have jurisdiction over this. No, well, okay, but I don't. Paul. I don't think that's what the conversation's about. The conversation is more about Len is saying that it was a bad look and bad. Well, and options. he's saying the league should do yeah. something, yeah, and I, I don't I, think I, the league me, should. It's not you. their okay, fault. Okay. I'm with you. Okay. <laughs> listen, listen. I, I've expressed my opinion. Okay. We can leave right. it and that's, and that's okay. Right. Yeah. That's okay. okay. I think you. I think you gave us. Both and out. I've expressed my opinion, and I appreciate you listening. All right, Len. You listening. All right, let me let me uh, uh, let me say something. About I'll say this though: then, Mark Bavaro would never have bumped Parcells. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think so either. I, I, well, well, if, if he loses and, his balance, he may. So, yeah. and we can make the case that it was a different era. Yeah, you can do all of that. Uh, but okay. Okay. Let me, let well, Jeremy on. Shockey was not going to bump Tom Coughlin. I'll make that case too. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. There you go. All right. Let me let me let me move on, if I may. Um, a roster issues and maybe maybe a question for Lance here. Um, I I don't I don't believe that the replacement for McKinney, Barkley, and Jackson at cornerback are on this roster. If we do, we're getting worse. We're not getting better. We're getting worse. We're not getting better. On draft on day two of the draft, when that 47th pick comes up, I'm going to be on the edge of my seat, obviously. We're all going to be excited. We got a second second-round pick. The replacement for Leonard Williams, 
is not on this roster. That's four positions. Um, Lance, yesterday you said you were willing to look at who is in the room to replace Barkley. There's nobody in that room who can replace Barkley. Well, in nobody. terms of his skill set, yeah, I don't dispute yeah, that. We've we got to go out, and you, you know, I, I don't know if rightly so, is that you, you made a comment that, or maybe it was Paul, yes, made the comment, um, you, you can't not spend money on Barkley and go out and spend no, money on No, I made that comment. Well, I, I made the okay. comment that if you like Barkley's skill set, which clearly it yeah. sounds like you do, then I what's do. the purpose of then parting ways with Barkley to go. bring in another aging veteran who I has agree. a similar skill set? Just keep him. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. it. That, that was my point. Which is what I think is yeah. going to happen, yeah. Len. I don't think you need to worry about that one. What, what You think we're going to sign Barkley? Yes. Okay, good. Good. I appreciate that. Now, what, how about the other? How about those other three positions? I mean, that's going to be, and 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 also McLeod. He he is restricted, as you mentioned. He restricted free yeah. agent. But don't you have to tender him at a? At a, they, at a I at don't a, think they're going to have any problems keeping Nick McLeod here. They'll do whatever yeah. they need to do to keep him. I'm sure they I, will. He's their best special teams player yeah, in terms of he, coverage. Yeah, I'd find well, it hard like, to believe that somebody right, blows well, him away outside of the Giants, yeah, yeah, no, no, just based well, on how the economics work in the NFL. No, well, you don't. You don't have. He, 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 you have to tender him. I don't think anybody's going to blow them away either. Well, and, and that, I like so that, McLeod. I want McLeod. I want McLeod on on the team. My yep. point is, yep, he's going to be expensive. Oh, I when don't think so. The totality. Know, when you look at the totality of the cap, he's going to be expensive. I don't, but, I don't think he will. I don't okay, think he will right, because right, right now he's primarily a special teams player. Okay. And and he because he's restricted and is only what three years into his NFL career. Right. No, right. he's not going to cost. Yeah, you I mean, why lot. would he be so expensive in your mind? Well, because you, when you tender him at a draft pick level, don't you have to tender him at a level? So you know, second round pick, third round pick. I don't know how low you can go. Can you? Yeah, go but to, he was. Can you tender yeah, him at a He wasn't a draft pick. pick. Yeah, but he Nick, wasn't Nick, a draft pick. Yeah, Nick, Nick McLeod was undrafted in 2021. Right. He was not a draft pick. The Giants picked him up off the street after after Buffalo got rid of him. Yeah, I, I'd be very surprised if the economics put the Giants in a precarious yeah, spot. If, if you're worried about the price of Nick McLeod, that, that you you need to get a lot well, of other things I mean, on your list. Keep in well, mind, well, Len, well, Nick, Nick McLeod. Nick McLeod played 28% of the defensive snaps in 2023. Yes. Yes. He played 75% of the special team snaps. A guy who plays only 28% of the defensive snaps, I just I, I don't think that's going to be extremely costly from the economics of the well, of of the NFL. I just I don't well, see that. What are you going to what are you going to pay McLeod? What do you think's a fair number for McLeod? I mean, undrafted free agent rookies who make the fifty-three next year are going to make over nine hundred thousand dollars. Okay, well, I mean, that's not, and, and to me that guy, amount is not is crazy. And this is guy with three years. Of, what are you going to pay Nick McLeod? Well, I, I mean, I want McLeod on this team. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be difficult to fit him in. That was my point. Nothing to do with McLeod and whether he's worth it. I want him back on the team. I think we're going to have trouble signing him. I'd like to see Ashawn back. I'd like to see Robinson back. I don't think we can get away with another one-year contract. I think we're going to... I mean, when do you see a guy sign a one-year contract and come back the next year and get signed again to a one-year contract? With, with who? With Ashawn Robinson? Yeah, well, I think we're going to... T- it's going to take a multi-year contract well, to get Robinson I mean, back. Ashawn Robinson, in terms of his career... I mean, with the Rams, I'd, I'd look up what he signed with the Rams, but let's see. He signed a two-year contract with the Rams, and then uh-huh. 
I mean, I, I don't. I mean, I think a one-year deal, one or two years. I don't, I don't think yeah. Robinson is at the point where he's expecting a three or four-year deal. Oh no, no, given... no! I said multi-year. I, I said yeah. multi-year. So well, I mean, it, it, it's going to take two years, at least two years, to get to get Robinson back on. You know, to get Robinson back on this team. Um, I mean, you are talking I, about a guy that's going to be entering his ninth season in the NFL. I know. So I know. You know. I, but hey, that's, that's, um, that's look at the look at the numbers along the defensive line, Lance. You no, know, but but not, the, but the reason I'm bringing up ninth season is that maybe yeah. a one year deal is more reasonable because of where you look at what nine year yeah. veterans are getting in today's market, yeah. and okay. he's more of the mindset at this point in my career. I'll take a one year deal. I don't oh, think that's crazy. I, I hope so. Yeah. I, I hope that's the case. I, I hope that's the case, Lance, because I, I want him back, and I would like him on a one-year. I don't think it's right. going to happen. I'll Len, we are, at, we are out of time. Len, I'm not, I'm not joking. We actually run over okay, on the bye. show, so we're out of time. I did want to just correct when he said, I believe, Giants, when they're up at 74, 47 is their second Second round pick. Well, I think he meant the second he, second. I round think pick. he meant he may have given he meant out the wrong 47. Yeah. I think he transposed the numbers like when you do when you type sometimes, and I do that a lot on Twitter because I have big Italian thumbs, <laughs> and on the phone it's really a problem. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. I, All right. Well, well done. I don't know if you wanted to add another. No, thing I got nothing else the, to add. We're we're okay. over time. We got we got to we got to right, well, go. We don't, we don't turn into pumpkins. It's okay. Don't worry. <laughs> we'll we'll all survive and, and live to tell about it. I promise. All right. So that's going to wrap up Friday's edition of. Big Blue Kickoff Live will be back up and running again on Monday. No, no show Monday because it's President's Day. Correct. See, that's why we go through the ins and outs. Tuesday, we'll be back at 1230 p.m. Eastern. So it'll be a bit of a shortened week. Enjoy the extended holiday weekend. Today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live, part of the Giants platforms everywhere and Giants.com slash podcast. For Paul Dottino, I'm Lance Meadows. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest. And we'll speak to you next week right here on BBKL. Have a good one. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.